is Lou Rosenfeld. I am really happy to welcome to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast, Mr. Dan Brown. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great, Lou. How are you? Great. It's great to have you on the show. Um, Dan is uh, has been a longtime fixture in the IA community. Is a co-founder uh, with Nathan Curtis of Eight Shapes, uh, a user experience a design firm that's that's always in my opinion, really been at the cutting edge. I used to um, try to get you guys on a lot of projects when I was an individual IA consultant. I never steered a client wrong when I was successful at that. Although you guys have changed a bit uh, and your career has really changed a bit in, as I've watched it. Uh, you've written a few books and, and really been seen as a, a real innovator in both IA and UX. Uh, Dan is going to be teaching a workshop at Enterprise UX, the conference that Rosenfeld Media puts on. And uh, the next edition is going to be in June in San Francisco. Dan is going to be teaching uh, a topic that I didn't know anything about uh, five or 10 years ago. Maybe you didn't either, Dan, facilitation for designers. It's going to be a day-long workshop. And how did you kind of find your way into talking about facilitation? Was that something when you got into IA a few, few years back that you were thinking about? That's a really good question. You know, I was, I was thinking about um, information architecture and the, the evolution of the practice just over the last 20 years. And one of the things that I think IA has always found appealing about the work is that it put them in the middle of a lot of projects in the sense that it was kind of a seen as a connector between what we used to call the user interface, user experience, uh, and the technical side of things. That there was it was sort of this abstract layer that uh, held everything together. And it was manifest on the UI side as navigation, and it was manifest on the technical side as you know the underlying data structure but it was really this kind of thing in and of itself. And I realized that uh, because it often found itself in the middle of a project, that we often took on this role of facilitation, of having those big conversations with lots of different kinds of people at the table, the people who cared about the UI, the people who cared about the technology. I should also mention the people who cared about the business, right, that that has a huge uh, we're all familiar with the Venn diagram. There, there we go. I you beat me to it. Yeah, we have to now. We have to drink. I think we're both drinking our coffee. But, um, but seriously, yeah. I mean, we you don't talk about IA without a Venn diagram at some point. Right. So, no. So we've go. we've crossed that. We've checked that off our list. Okay. So I I feel like facilitation is crucial because we often find ourselves in the middle of a multidisciplinary conversation about uh, the products that we work on. Okay, so we're in the middle partly because at least uh, the old farts among us, like us in particular, um, find ourselves um, probably identifying gaps in practice, gaps in just what people want to do. So I'll bet you were probably managing projects at some point early on because nobody else did. And, you, you, and then you found your way into IA and then you found your way into all these other areas that sort of connected other people who didn't necessarily know how to connect directly with each other. Facilitation is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, um, as I've uh, um, 
grown more into thinking of myself as a designer. Uh, one of those, you know, we're all trying to define not just information architecture, but design as well. And one of the ones that I, I like is that design is facilitation, right? It's sort of the art of bringing a lot of voices to the table, um, but extracting some value out of that. And I think facilitation is not just getting everyone to sit down and have a healthy conversation with each other, but then turn that information into progress, right? Into something that's novel or that moves the project forward or that answers questions or at least makes some decisions so we can keep going. So it's interesting. So we, we end up in that role of problem solving or at least facilitating the problem solving. Um, now it's interesting. I was actually uh, just talking with Lisa Welchman um, a couple weeks back and, and she's going to be our opening keynoter in Enterprise UX. And she kind of gave me a good talking to um, and, uh, and really by extension, a lot of the uh, UX people uh, who might find themselves at the conference. And she said, you know, you designers, you, you, you think you have the answer and that you should be in the middle of everything. And um, she was actually kind of saying, you know, from her perspective, where she's sort of on the outside of a lot of different silos that really um, we, we take on too much and that um, uh, we, can, we don't have the skill set or the political base to really to do what we're hoping to do. And it, it even extends to some of the more noble uh, goals that we've been adopting lately, like uh, trying to make sure that our collective work happens with an ethical foundation. Uh, I wonder if you have um, an issue with her issue, <laughs> or if you would be, I mean, well, I mean, you know, we, when you're helping designers facilitate, do, do you see them trying to take on too much or is it just the, you know, just, they don't have a choice. They, they, it's necessary for them to facilitate. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I would never willingly disagree with Lisa Welchman on anything. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I Here's what I take away from what you're saying she's saying which is that there is a lot of pressure on designers to be more than designers if that makes sense and i think part of the problem is that design can mean so many things by the same token we hear a lot of uh advice to designers you have to learn how to code you have to learn you have to you know build up your soft skills you have to learn, you know, get an MBA. There's all these things that we ask designers to do to make them better designers. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a danger there that uh, they get away from the, what, the intent or the function or the purpose of design itself. Uh, that being said, for many people, it can be hard to look directly at design and think of it or understand it outside the context of some of those other things. Well, code is the raw materials of what we're designing and business provides the context for uh, design. Even information architecture provides a framework for where certainly UI design lives. So how do we separate design from those concerns? And maybe it's uh, up to the individual designer to draw their boundaries and respect them and say, here's what I can do and here's what I know I can't do. And if they know they can't do that, mm -hmm. you can't, right? Bring someone to them who, uh, or engage someone in a way that um, 
let that sort of fills that gap. Yeah, and I think it's important to maybe draw the distinction between wanting to understand versus wanting to own. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, and I think Lisa would agree with that. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the workshop in particular. Uh, that's going to be probably at a, a, a bit more of a, a tangible or, or concrete level, or maybe not. What, what are you going to cover? Um, my teaching style is very much uh, trying to give people as much pragmatic tools as I can. Um, I really, uh, I think we can talk about the when and the why of facilitation, and obviously we need to cover that. But at the end of the day, I want them to walk away with a set of uh, habits or behaviors or um, techniques that they can use uh, and uh, build, bring into their own practice. So um, there are a few different angles that I've got that I, I want to cover. Uh, one is just a basic, not a basic, but a, a framework for designing workshops. One of the kinds of facilitation that I do is very planned and very structured, right? It's um, okay, I've got 20 people showing up for my client. I've got to run a half day workshop to move the design project forward. So what does that uh, look like? And I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Dave Gray's and Suni Brown's uh, Gamestorming book. And James McAnufo. It's and one of my favorite books. Yeah, it's a great book. And that's one of those books, like a cookbook that I pull off the shelf all the time. Um, what I've noticed about those recipes, like those in a cookbook, is that uh, they're a good starting point, but given the context of my project, given where I am in my project, given all of these things, I can't just use the recipe straight. I always need to make adjustments to it. So what I want to do is help more senior design folks, uh, more senior uh, UX folks, kind of zoom out from these basic recipes and say, okay, not how do I do this particular um, uh, pepper steak stir fry, but how do I do stir fries in general? And then how can I take that framework and apply it to my, uh, the different kinds of meals that I want to uh, make? I really mixed my metaphors a lot there. But that's the general idea is kind of give people a framework and then allow them to practice crafting uh, and then running uh, their own structured workshop within the workshop. The flip side to that is I'm often on the spot to do ad hoc facilitation like we all knew we needed a meeting. We all showed up, but the person who called the meeting doesn't really have a way of driving the conversation. So I end up filling that, we're stepping up to fill that role. Gap filling, there you go. Right, and when I do, uh, I pull out some techniques to use. Um, or even if I've called the meeting and I kind of had enough to get us going, but then need to keep the conversation moving forward, there are some techniques that I use. So I wanna give people at least these two things, framework for building their own workshops, and then a set of behaviors uh, for, uh, that they can turn to when they're uh, doing some ad hoc facilitation. Well, I'm gonna throw in one more thing that uh, only because we just put a book out on it, uh, Kevin Hoffman's book on meeting design may have a, another, not ingredient, but uh, one of the things it's really strong at is helping you uh, with timing. You know, are you designing, what stage of the meeting are you working on? And, right. and, Right. Beginning and middle and ending and so forth. So right. there's like a lot of really good resources that are coming together. Um, uh, uh, and it, it's, it's great to see, you know, this gap being filled, whether we call it soft skills or, 
or something else. And I, I think, you know, people are really going to have a great opportunity to, to, to plug that gap in, in your workshop in June. You know, one of the things that um, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit because of um, the fact that it is early April, which means you were just in Chicago for the IA summit, the very last IA summit uh, in, in late March. Uh, and uh, those of you uh, who aren't familiar with the IA Summit, uh, we did it uh, 19 times. Uh, I helped start it, and then I didn't make the last two. Broke my string of uh, attendance. But Dan, um, you were there for the last one. It's it's going to be subsumed by the IA conference. Right. It'll happen in Orlando uh, a year from now. So that's good. I mean, it's just rebranding and his story behind it. But you. Um, mentioned something briefly. Uh, I, I think I saw it a little bit being mentioned in social media too. Uh, something new that you were working on that you unveiled at the IA summit. I did, yeah. I was really uh, uh, pleased at how uh, enthusiastic folks were uh, at the summit. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I mean, I still do information architecture. You know, whatever else has changed in my life, I still... Uh, people still bring me on to think deeply about um, navigation or uh, the structures uh, of their websites. And uh, about 10 years ago, I wrote an article called The Principles of IA. Actually, that was another talk I gave at the summit mm -hmm. in 2008. And um, uh, there were eight principles. Uh, and I, I just wrapped up last year, I just wrapped up a couple of big IA-related projects. And I was like, you know, it's time to update those articles. So I started making a list of all the new principles that I was thinking of, and the list was getting longer and longer. And I realized that principles wasn't really the right framing, that what I was really doing was coming up with a list of, uh, there were sort of questions that I asked myself as I'm working on an information architecture. So let me give you an example. Uh, I was working on a uh, intranet for a large multilateral organization, and one of the things that's guaranteed at those kinds of organizations is that they will go through a reorg at some point or another. And they did at least once, maybe twice during the course of my project. Mm -hmm. So then you have to think about the shelf life uh, of your navigation, right? How long will this framework, this structure that you're designing last, given the fact that the organization itself goes through reorgs? So that's one of the questions I'd ask myself is if I use this categorization, how long will it last? Another another one that I uh, would ask myself um, is precedent. Like, okay, if I uh, put this piece of content here, is that a rule that I'm confident of, I want other people to follow? Is that is that a decision that I want other people to make too? And as I started collecting them, which were very small things, but they were useful questions that I would ask myself as I was working on the IA. I came up with this extremely long list of lenses. I got to 44 lenses as of two weeks ago. Uh, and so I turned them into a, a deck of cards that you can use as you're doing your IA work to kind of challenge yourself as you're, as you're working on the structure. Um, one of the great things about presenting this at the summit, besides the fact that I was presenting to a room full of 200 like-minded people, um, was that going to all these talks and listening to the kinds of perspectives that people brought to the table when they did their IA gave me some ideas for additional lenses. 
So now uh, I'm updating the deck and I'm up to 51 uh, lenses. And this is a far cry from eight principles, but I think it's a far more pragmatic application of these ideas. So I'm pretty uh, excited about it. So uh, it's good you're doing in this cards, of course, because the, the, when you're up to 51 and, and counting, you're going to need some heavy duty IA work done to make them accessible. I, um, I, I categorize them too. And that was hard mm -hmm. because they're in a sense, there are lots of different perspectives that you can bring. And ultimately I sought a kind of a functional thing. Like what does this lens do for me? What kinds of perspectives do these lenses do for me? And I came up with eight categories of lenses, uh, which I shared uh, in my talk uh, at the summit. Give us a couple examples. Uh, sure. So, um, like here's, I'm going to hold it up to the camera. I don't know if we're going to do this as a video, but this one is called how to explain, right? So this is a category of lenses. And one of the lenses in here is physical metaphors. Mm -hmm. So the how to explain, one of the things that I do as an IA is I have to explain the structure to my colleagues, right? To the other people working on the project so that they understand, we're dealing with abstractions and I need them to understand that even though we don't have a UI yet, that this is a structure that's going to have an implication on the UI. So how do I explain the structure to them? Well, one of the lenses is physical metaphors, right? I can use the idea of a house or a building, uh, or I can use the idea of an amusement park or a zoo or something to help explain the structure, create a mapping of the abstract structure that we're creating as the IA to something that they may be more familiar with. Another one uh, is how to engage. So, so this is a, a category of lenses and engagement is how do I draw people in, draw users in so that they feel like they have a stake in the structure. So they feel part of the, of the experience. Uh, and one of the lenses is narrative, right? How does my structure tell a story to draw people in? So when we were doing work for the multilateral on their public website, we realized that their existing navigation didn't do a good job of telling any sort of story. It was very, what it was very um it wasn't even topical it was just sort of it was actually mapped to their org chart so what we wanted to do was create more of a story that was built into the navigation so as they clicked through they could uh watch the evolution of their understanding of what this this organization did so um so those are some uh examples uh that i have and again it, they seem fairly self-evident but what I like is having them all in one place that I can then refer to. And, and anytime you, 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 someone like you says, well, I, I think they're probably self-evident. Well, you should just assume they're not. And yeah. I'm really glad you're doing us the service of putting them together. Uh, maybe uh, you might bring a few decks along uh, to San Francisco for an UX. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some people who are delighted uh, to have a look, including myself. Um, and actually, um, other things, uh, you know, like that would be a nice gift to bring. And, and we're going to wind down the podcast now, but I wonder if you have anything uh, else to offer. Not that you haven't done enough already, but <laughs> you know, I like to ask our, um, our uh, the folks who come on the show uh, if there's any uh, cool tip or, or interesting person uh, that uh, you think we should all know about. Uh, have you had Marsha Haverty on your show? I have not. And I, um, here's one reason. Uh, I'm afraid um, I will be reduced to a blubbering mass of, of, of just like in, being intellectually overwhelmed by her, her, 
her just massive intellect. She's I'm so I'm so intimidated by her. I just don't know if I could handle she, her. You know what's great about Marsha is that when she is on the stage, she is definitely an intimidating presence. But just hanging out with her, she is just uh, an absolute pleasure and makes you feel like you're the center of the world. Um, she is. I, I, I actually have <laughs> a chance to hang out with her, and uh, I really do. Yes, I, I agree with you. Anyway, tell us more about Mark. Well, she she gave a closing at this year's uh, summit, and after you know a long weekend of lots of heady, deep. Uh, engaging topics, uh, she, as she has wanted to do, raised the bar and uh, gave a, a closing that was uh, at once, um, it, it was it was very uh, mind-blowing, I guess is the way to think about it, is and helps me remember that there is still much work to be done, mm -hmm. how humans experience frameworks and structures, which is why it makes me excited to be in this field at all. So, well, the, the, Marsha is a great person to tag, and, and that's a really great suggestion. Uh, and I, I should get a hold of her um, if anyone wants to uh, check Marsha Haverty out. It's M A R S H A H A V E R T Y, and she uh, on on the Twitters is uh, M Jane M as in Michael Jane underscore H. What a Brilliant person, but I'm not sure about that Twitter handle. <laughs> work on that. Uh, in any case, uh, it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, Dan Brown of Eight Shapes, uh, he'll be teaching uh, the Facilitation for Designers Workshop at Enterprise UX in San Francisco on June 13th. It's a day-long course, one of four. And uh, he'll also, I hope, will be sticking around for the full conference, uh, June 14th and 15th. You want to learn more, enterpriseux.net. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Lou. It was a great pleasure.